recap of the last couple of weeks, understanding about the church. Church should be a place that is filled with faith, right? Don't you want to go in a building and be around people that you feel that you feel are filled with faith? Do you want to go somewhere where people just like, how are you doing? Terrible. What are you excited for? Nothing. What do you want to do? Die. You know what I mean? It's like, wow, that's great. Can I, can I stay at this church with you? Because you seem like you're awesome. Wanna, you want to be pew pals? You know what I'm saying? It's like, no. You want to go somewhere that's filled with faith and excitement and belief that things can and will happen, right? When we ask and, and plead with God for those things to happen. To be a place, the church should be a place of consistent fellowship, that koinonia, that understanding of time spent together, encouraging one another, not putting each other down. Right? Have you been to churches like that before? You're like, yeah, that's why I'm here. Um, so I get it, all right? And we're hoping and, and we're, we're, we're praying all the time that we are that kind of place where you find that type of fellowship, that type of fellowship that is koinonia time where you're just together loving one another and growing. Another thing that the church should be is this, a place that contends for unity. Another word for contend in my book is fight, that we will fight for unity. And if there's something going on, we don't sugarcoat it. Right? We don't say, well, we'll talk about it later. Three months later, you got a church split or you got somebody all upset and they've put something in the Dominion Post and the Morgantown News and all over. No. We contend for unity. Why? Because we love each other. We fight for unity. Why? Because we care about each other. Because we do life together. We're the Foundry family. Contend for unity. A place uh, that, that practices consecration. What is that? Simply being set apart for God's work. A place that is set apart. People that are set apart for God's work, willing to do what he says, folks that try to stay on track, setting themselves apart every single day so that they don't miss what God has for them that day. It should be a place that lives in power, in power, a place that is filled with power. Where you do see folks prayed for and all of a sudden they're healed, okay? Where you see folks pray for miracles in their finances and all of a sudden they're finding checks in their mailbox at WVU. Can I get some amens front row? Okay. Um, You're like, yeah, have you seen my student loans? I get you, all right? But a place that's filled with power, a place that you can feel God's presence when you worship, a place where the word is presented in such a way that there's power, that we don't dumb it down, but we bring life to it. That's what the church should be. And a lot of times we understand what the church should be, but what we've seen that it should not be over time. So we want to be that kind of place. Last week, we talked about our manifesto, our our public proclamation, an understanding of who we are, call it just simply the foundry manifesto and our, our mission is our manifesto how do you remember just four simple words start it for me love god love people well that's good the retention rate is 1.79 percent. that's not bad let's try this again four easy words it's okay you're like i don't know where you're going exactly i fooled you all right love god love people how hard is that doesn't it make it easy when you share with people what your church is about? Versus, well, our church has about a four-page letter of their intent for the community. And what I've tried to do is remember all of it verbatim so that when I talk, no, we're about loving God, loving people. It makes it easy for you to be a believer and a Christ follower and someone who's a part of the foundry and public when you can say, I just love God and Love people. And it simplifies your actions and your moves on a daily basis. Am I loving God in this? Am I loving people in this? Am I honoring God because I love Him? Am I honoring others because I love them? 
That's not something that we really enjoy too much, spreading that type of love around because there's risk in that. But it's important. Remember, the greatest commandment. Um, Jesus replied to this when they asked, what's the greatest? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything is hinged on that. And then also a new command, love one another. How will people know that we are his disciples? By the way that we love them. That's simple. That's something that I always want to keep before you, though, because that mission, that understanding is why we're here. All right? Very simple for us. So today we find ourselves on the third leg. All right? Have you ever seen someone with three legs? Right? That's probably fun to watch them hobble around. Okay. But the third leg of our journey here, all right, uh, the conclusion of our ramp up to our grand opening. And when thinking about what do we want to share, what do we want to talk about today? Another part of our vision, and it's pretty simple for us. It's called partnership. You're thinking, what is partnership? What are we doing? Are we just like linking arms and running down high street together and frolicking and such? No, not necessarily, but if you want to do that, just rock a foundry shirt, okay? Um, we're fine with that. And, and you can even do a baptism one because it says the foundry church on the back, really, really big. Um, so we're excited for that. Um, but no, not necessarily. What is partnership to us? Partnership to us is this covenantal agreement of life. It's a relationship. I love what one of the Chi Alpha students, well, actually leaders, sorry, uh, said to me and um, about a month and some change ago, when we were riding together in the car, I don't like to point out folks necessarily, but said, hey, you know, he was, we were talking about involvement with church and such, and he said, you know, we feel that when we go to a church, we marry ourselves to that church because we want to honor them. We want to help them. We don't, we don't necessarily um, a, a enjoy every aspect of certain churches as we marry that church. We don't necessarily love to serve in all things. But we marry that church, we get in there, and we don't stop loving that church until God would take us somewhere else. You can learn a lot, a lot from others, can't you? Especially those younger than you. That's what I'm excited about. Us being a place that has covenantal relationship, that we're married to this thing. You're not married to this building. You're not married to the foundry church. You're married to, to the idea and the understanding that whatever I can do to help carry this thing forward, whatever I can do to partner, to move this thing forward, this community effort, the gospel, the good news, I'm married to that. God has placed me here, and I want to partner with these guys. See, remember we talked about it earlier. We're not about membership. Do you remember that, anybody? Remember when we talked about that, about the whole joke of how we're putting in a new pool and a new fitness room and things like that? You don't pay dues. When you, when you give, when you're generous, you're not investing in our next business effort. You're not investing in something newfangled, blah, blah, blah. No, what you're doing is you're partnering with us. You're agreeing with us in all aspects of your life, with stewardship, all kinds of stuff, your time, all of that saying that I want to help this thing go forward. I believe in the vision and the mission of this place because this mission is directly connected to Scripture. That's what we want to build as partnership. So what does that look like? How does that feel? It's an understanding of really just doing life together. If you look at the definition of partner, and I like this understanding here, um, when you look at a ship, you know the mast that goes up that holds the sail. One of those things that holds that mast into place is called a partner. The ship will go nowhere without the sail, without the mast, without the partner. 
And the thing is, God has the desire, I know, and the plan to take you places as the church. Remember, you're the church, has plans to take you places. But if you're not partnered correctly and in the right place, then your ship will go nowhere. You as the body. That's so key for us to understand when it comes to this visual that we get with the ship and sailing seas of life. You also think of it this way, one associated with another, especially in action, right? As well, another definition, either of two persons who dance together, right? A lot of times it's like, wait, you're trying to ask me to dance? No, 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 no. But you see this fluid movement. You've ever watched you know, like ballroom dancing or like real dancing, not like <laughs> something up at like Bent Willie's or something. Okay. I'm saying like real dancing. Have you ever watched how there's just a synchronization of the two partners? You're thinking, how in the world does that happen? It's like they were like made for each other. And all of you guys, I know what you're thinking. You love dancing with the stars. It's okay. You can admit it. It's fine. It's fine. You're not married yet. I get it. And you're thinking, well, I can't blame it on her. That's what I can do. I can blame it on Kara. Okay. But you can't, but that's all right. We're not going to judge you. But you see this beautiful movement. That's what the church should look like as we are together partnering to make a difference in the community. A person whom uh, one shares an intimate relationship with, connect groups and things like that. That's how we go deep together. That's how we do life together. You have a need and your, your connect group answers your need. We've talked about that before. You have a hurt, a pain or whatever, your connect group prays with you. Or you just shoot me a text and we pray right then and there. That's intimate relationship. I remember everything is about relationship. Everything. And it's so key for us to partner in the right relationships, especially when it comes to the church. That's who we are. That's what we're made to do. When thinking about partners, all right, I love, anybody like Starsky and Hutch back in the day? Anybody ever watch that? These guys were legit. How about, look, everybody can identify, Tom and Jerry. Okay, this is what we need to do now. This is the debate my brother and I always had. Raise your hand if you're a Tom. Raise your hand if you're Jerry. Everybody was Jerry, right? Everybody wanted to be Jerry because why? Jerry always won, okay? You got to love Jerry. How about Bert and Ernie? Hey, Bert. Hey, Ernie. Remember that? Anybody? Did you ever like Bert and Ernie? You're like, did I or do I? Remember, judgment-free zone, okay? We don't judge here. All right, Batman and? Who was better? I mean, duh. I mean, look at him, right? You got the boy wonder. Wonder what? You know, how much of a man you really are? Okay, so um, Han Solo and Chewbacca. Best Chewbacca. There it is. There you go. That was pretty good. Good job, Chewy. Okay. Um, Sherlock Holmes and John, Dr. John Watson, the elementary. You're right. I love that. Okay. How about this? This is where we'll really, this, this, this hits home for me. This is very, this is, how about Bo and Luke Duke? Anybody, can I get some amens? But just some good old boys, man. Just some good old, okay. So how about this? And this is, this is, this might be, might be hurtful. I have to be careful. This is 1130. You're like, why'd you tell me the time? Mac and cheese. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good, right? How about how about some cheeseburgers and fries? Mm, that's re- yes, Lord. Revival, okay. <laughs> and then and then there's always I st- I will still tear these up all day long. Peanut butter 
There's even a song now. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Peanut butter jelly time. Nobody's all about it. Peanut butter. Anybody know this? Brecken, my man. Okay, thank you. I don't know you, but I love you already. Brecken's with me, okay? Oh, peanut butter and jelly. But partners, man, that's what life's all about. Partner with one another. Weightlift. I was talking to somebody yesterday, talking about his weightlifting pal. I'm like, well, that's great. You know, you got dudes, you know what I mean? Ladies, you always partner to go to the bathroom. I mean, let's be real. But partners, we need to do this thing together. I know that term is used in many different ways in this world. I understand that. I'm not blind to that. But what I do understand is that we can redeem anything and use anything we want as the body of Christ. Because we want to express something. That we're not a member of an exclusive club, but someone that partners with someone else, okay, and does life together and does well. Think about all the crime that Batman and Robin fought together. Even though the boy wonder wasn't much, okay? But think about it. Think about how many peanut butter and jellies. That doesn't make sense. Okay, but think about it. Partnership is so key. And Ecclesiastes, I don't know if you ever heard of that book of the Bible, um, it's really a sequel to Proverbs. In Proverbs, uh, you see these, these wise sayings of Solomon, and you see all this wisdom that flows forth in Proverbs, and then you get to Ecclesiastes. What's one word that epitomizes Ecclesiastes to you? Anybody? Meaningless. Solomon just waxes prolific with all these great things in the world. You're like, oh, Solomon, you're the man. And all of a sudden, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And you think about how can you find something good out of life that is meaningless? How can you find life in this? And we see in Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, this statement. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man, or Mr. T say, pity the fool, okay? Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. A-team, another one. Sorry, that just came off. Anybody else A-team? Okay, you're with me. All right, this is just, it's good stuff. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. This is my favorite. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. This, this context of the, this passage doesn't really necessarily make sense. Because around it you see uh, th- this warning from verses 7 and 8 of selfish, selfish isolation. And verses 13 through 16, the superficial fame of vanity. But in these two extremes you see the middle. You see this understanding of the, that two are better than one. And today we're understanding together. The foundry together. And understanding that two are better than one any day, all day, all day long. Any day, all day, and all day long. Why? Well, there's a couple things that we see in Ecclesiastes uh, that just make sense. A couple observations uh, that, that I'm going to pull from today that we're together is better. Are you with me? Together is better. Let's understand this first. Together is better when you work. Ecclesiastes 10.10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Have you ever tried to cut something with a dull knife? Most injuries, right? Fingers that have been lost, blood that has been shed was due to what? A dull knife. If you have something good and sharp, 
You don't have to worry about it. Don't worry, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Oh, fine, I get great. No. If you have a sharp knife, you don't have to worry about cutting yourself because it cuts with ease, right? And a dull axe, have you ever tried to cut wood with a dull axe? That's fun. Just grab a sledgehammer. That'll be fun for you, okay? Have a great day, okay? That's what you give to your kids when they say they want to cut wood. You're like, all right, try with a sledgehammer first. You shouldn't get hurt too bad, all right? But a dull axe, think about that. Sometimes you need things just to be sharp. Sometimes you need things to work together. You can have an axe, and if it's dull, it's worthless. But if you have an axe and it's sharp, those things together make sense. And out of that, things change. Verse 9, two are better than one. They have a good return for their toil, for their work, for their effort. Think about this in agricultural terms, if you think about it in that that way. And you guys ever gardened or done anything like that before? That's a lot of work. If you do it by yourself, it's even more hard work. But the thing is, in this life, in this partnership that you have with us as the founder, as, as you and the church, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. And I can promise you that the MO of the enemy is to isolate you right off the bat. What he likes to do is get up in your mind, say things that don't necessarily make sense, cause some confusion, and then get you off by yourself. Because he knows that if two are together, things are going to happen for the kingdom of God. But if you are separate, if he drives a wedge, if he breaks the bond between the two, he's got a great head start in your life. And also your future ministry. An understanding that it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be worth it. Doing right is hard work. Getting an education is hard work. Building a successful career is hard work. Nurturing a godly marriage and relationships, that's hard work. Raising responsible children, it's easy. It's hard work. Everybody's like, what? No, you're lying. Okay, I I see the amen hands back there, okay? Doing the work of ministry is hard work. Sharing your faith, it's hard work. 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Everybody together makes this thing happen. Yes, your work is seen and understood, but together we build this thing. You even think about Genesis 11, 1 through 9. You remember that tower that they built together, the first skyscraper ever that wasn't finished? What happened? Disbanded, separated, and cast in many different directions. Teamwork can do even terrible things sometimes. But imagine if God is using it for his good. What can happen? What are the possibilities? Only God knows. Think about it. Only God knows. This understanding, together is better when you work. Together is better when you have fallen down. I don't know if any of you guys remember that when you were a kid, but help, I've fallen, I can't get up. You remember those commercials? They were so stinking hokey. I hated those. I'm like, my grandmother would not act like that. She'd be yelling, maybe cursing a little bit, saying, let me tell you what, you know, kind of thing. And uh, then when you get there, she'd kiss you and tell you she loves you. All right? That was me, Mom Myers. All right? But 
Together is better when you have fallen. We look at a laborer in the field. Is that kind of that type of understanding? But also someone on a journey, a journey through life. And when you think about it, you need someone to help you up when you have fallen. Together is better, right? When you have fallen. And here's the thing. Nobody is exempt from falling. It's not that you may or possibly will fall. There will be a time that you fall in some way, shape, or form. And you need somebody there with an outstretched arm. You need to be that someone there with an outstretched arm waiting to help pick somebody up. 1 Corinthians 10, 12-13. Um, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And I love the first part of 13. No temptation has seized you beyond what is common to man. Everybody is tempted. The playing field has been leveled. Temptation looks different to individuals, but everybody is and will be tempted. That is life, okay? We understand. Nod with me. All right? There's temptation for in all different ways. It's not just sexual stuff. It's not just financial stuff. It's not just egos. It's what it's across the board, and it changes per individual. It's common. Nobody has arrived at perfection. Do you get me here? I remember the first week of college when I went to Valley Forge. I went with a roommate friend from Virginia. And uh, I remember when I got there, um, you know, at that point in my life, I was listening to nothing but Christian music, right? But then I went to school, Christian college, and that's when you just switch, right? No, I'm kidding. There was like a song on, a secular song. And he's like, so you're going to come here and start listening to that music. You're going to listen to that, you know what I'm saying by this? And then I watched with the judgmental attitude how that then changed to someone doing the exact same thing. Are you with me? Where he started as someone who would never fall. And it wasn't even like a major thing, like I was listening to Anthrax or something, all right? Uh, I wasn't, you know, just like Megadeth, or whatever, which that can be good if you enjoy it, but whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't crazy. But I watched this transition where it's like, hey, bro, this stuff right here is common. Everybody's going to be tempted and not be perfect and not make the grade and not make the cut. We have to be ready to help at all points in time. You're going to fall, and somebody else is too. Some way, shape, or form. You be ready. What that is is an understanding that I need to be humble at all times. And I need to check myself. You need to be honest with yourself. Don't lie to yourself. Because you sleep with yourself every single night. Every single night you lay down with yourself. Every single night you close your eyes and you see everything. Every single night you are with you. It doesn't matter if your spouse is beside you or your roommates across the room in their bunk, whatever. It doesn't matter. You are with you and your goal is to be honest with yourself. This can happen to anyone, anytime. I don't care if I am a pastor or a Christ follower for years on end. I'm just as susceptible as anybody else to fall because it's common. So I need to be careful. I need to watch myself, but also be someone that's ready to help others too. This is what I like, uh, what Paul talks about in Galatians 6, 1 through 2. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. I like that. You who are spiritual. You're so spiritual in one way, but also you who are spiritual, if you think about it, should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Loving God and loving people. You need to help somebody restore. I can't tell you how many pastors I know who have fallen out of ministry because of moral failures and all kinds of stuff. 
It's ugly. It's ugly. I can't tell you how many friends that don't even serve God anymore that I went to school with, that I knew growing up. It's ugly. But what is my job at that point in time? It's my job to say, (laughs) you didn't make it. I knew you wouldn't. Loser. Or because I am spiritual, with humility, I am a spiritual person who loves God, okay? I'm supposed to, any way that I can, help to restore that person back to him. What does that look like? Sometimes having conversations that you don't want to be a part of. In what way? They're complaining about this, talking about that, and you just want to be like, hey, idiot, do this and everything will be fine. But they're just same thing over and over again. We're supposed to restore them gently. We're supposed to have grace for them, patience for them. If Kara didn't have patience for me, I wouldn't know you guys. Okay. But think about it. If God didn't have patience for us, we wouldn't know each other. We need to restore people gently. That's how we love God and love people. Gently restoring people. If one falls down, verse 10, we see it. His friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Do not isolate yourself. Do not go in alone. You need a partner for this thing. You think about great military folks and you watch movies about it. It's all about their buddy that they got beside them. You think about great business efforts and exploits that folks do to create new businesses and all that. They always talk about their partner, how their partner helped them with this and their partner helped with that, a practice or what their partner. This isn't this yucky, nasty term. It's an understanding, right? That I need to do this with somebody so that I can make it. I need somebody for when I feel like I'm going to fall. When I feel like my, my hell bait, is barking at me. When I feel like I need somebody to be with me, I need someone. Two are better than one when you are in the cold. Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? I'm going to get real with you for a second. It was like second year of college, October. Me and my boys had this bright idea. Let's go camping. Okay? Why are you laughing? Y'all do that all, right? You're like, let's do it right now. Did you feel how chilly it was this morning? Okay. It was late October, all right? And we said, well, let's go camping. We'll go up to my buddy's house in the Poconos, and we'll just head out, walk out of the trail, set up some tents, and we'll camp. All right? Okay, this is really funny. So it's getting to be nighttime. And the friend, one of the friends I went with, his name is Noah. And you're probably going to meet Noah because they're going to come here. They're missionaries to Africa. And uh, it was it was the, uh, the first night, right? And you know when you're all gung-ho about going camping, you're going to be fine. You, you got your sleeping bag. You got everything. And that there's a fine line in that tent. You don't cross it. Bro, you stay over there. I got this right here. I got to be honest with you. It got cold. And here's big old Noah and I, right? And Justin, back to back, trying to stay warm any way possible. Like, dude, you all right? Yeah, man, I'm good. You cold? Yeah, man, I'm cold. You freeze? Yeah. I was clothed and afraid, all right? I can, so, I can talk about it now after these years of counseling. But wait till you meet Noah. You're going to love him. But it's just a sudden, it's nighttime. If you're on a journey in life and you're walking down this road, 
And all of a sudden, it's nighttime, and you don't know anybody. You don't have anybody around you. You're not familiar with the area. Welcome to WVU students or folks that move into town or things like that. You don't know anybody. It gets cold. You're alone. How are you going to warm up in life? Think about it. You need somebody. This is some this understanding that, you know, two married folks, you know, getting in bed together to stay warm. No, it's it's life that this world is cold. This world is cold. People are hurtful and hateful. You just want to punch them in the throat sometimes. Especially those that are that are saved. I'm like, well, notify your face. Because you're pretty ugly right now. And you know Jesus, that's great. Why are you so racist? Why are you so hateful? This world is cold. You need somebody. Think about the full armor of God. The back was never covered. Why? Because you're going into battle and your buddy had your back. Even, Chris, come here. Christopher. Even, stand facing that way. Even if you're back to back, you're covered. Turn this way. I'm still covered. Turn this way. I'm still covered. But alone, you're good. Thank you. Alone, alone, I'm left out in the cold. But together, we can fight this thing. Things are better together. Think about it. People are better together, especially, and this is the other point that I want to share with you. When you're in a fight, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You're done if you're alone. Get over it. You're done. Why? Because all you have in this little noggin right here is you. You have God, yes. But we are his church. We are his people that help each other to remind one another, hey, bro, I got your back. Hey, I'm here for you, sis. Let's go to the bathroom and talk about it. You know, I'm, we're together on this. And in this fight, we need to be back to back. Fighting, not against, but for. That there's not a cold spot on the back. That you and Noah are back. You can fight together. This world is terrible, but God is great. And what he's placed in you and the desires that he has for us is to partner with one another so that we can fight and that we can be victors. Ephesians 6, 11 through 12, you hear it again. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This is why we're going to camp on this in a couple weeks. This is important that we understand what this fight is. It's important that we fight this together. And it's important that we have the right things on our body, but inside as well. This is the fight of your life. And you can't do it alone. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. What a beautiful visual. Ecclesiastes 4 and the last point here is verse 12. The last idea, the last thought, the closing really push here. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. If I'm not mistaken, 
A three-stranded cord is still the industry standard. A three-stranded rope, if I'm not mistaken, is the strongest, for the most part, setup that you can have. So you have you, your friend, and him. With that trifecta, it is on. It is totally on. Imagine what your life will look like if you are intertwined with each other and with him. I mean, just imagine, literally, because that's, that's basically what it is most times in our lives. It's just an imagination of a life like that. Imagine what our lives would look like if we were totally intertwined with one another, totally together on this thing, and then add in that third strand of Him, of God, of the resurrected Savior, of the Holy Spirit in that one. Vance Havner used to say that snowflakes are frail little things, but you get enough of them together and they can stop traffic. Think about what we can do through this type of unity, this type of partnership in life. Without Him, we're going to fail. Without Him, we won't make it. But together and with Him, we'll do great things. That's the goal. That's the heart. That's what partnership is. That's holding each other up so that the wind can fill your sails, Charles. That's me getting below the deck and propping myself up so that that mast can be in the air and the sail can be attached so that your life can go places. That's partnership. Think about it. That's partnership. That's not a term that's used for other types of relationships and unions and blah, blah, blah. I love everybody. You guys know that. But what I'm saying, this is partnership in progressing this good news of God's love for mankind. That's what it looks like. Are you challenged? Does it make sense? I know this is practical, but you know, sometimes it's got to be. You know what I'm saying? Where we make scripture real in our lives, where it's played out daily. That's what it has to look like. So that you can walk up and down High Street and you don't look like a freak. But you can talk about loving God, loving people, and it makes sense. That's what it's supposed to be. How do we do it? We partner together. We do this thing together, and it'll make sense. All right? This is what I want to challenge you to do. If you're all in with your relationship with God, with each other, and, and really the church, I want you to stand with me. I want you to stand with me because we want to pray. We want to pray over you. We want to pray for you. Um, we want to pray about you when it comes to your future. And just believe that, the, that truly the best is yet to come in your life. That the best is just around the corner. And that we as individuals, when I say we, when you look around you, not the guy standing up here. The person next to you, behind you, around you is going to help make that happen with their partnership in your life. That they're going to help to hold you up, to prop you up when you need it. To be the person that fights with you, where your back never gets cold because you're back-to-back fighting this thing. That's what partnership looks like, right? That's what a good fight looks like. That's what we're supposed to embody as believers and as the church, as Christ followers. Not Christians, but Christ followers. We're supposed to look like him. We're supposed to have his dust on our face. You see what I'm saying by that? Because he's right in front of us, and we're right behind him. And then we look behind us and there's somebody else. That's what it's about.
So what I want to do, Matt's going to come up and just help us conclude this time. When you're ready, when you're really ready after I'm done praying, I just want you to stand. Because that's you really saying that I'm in on this. I'm in on this being the church. You know what I'm saying? Being the church that contends for unity, that fights for this thing till death do us part. That I want to carry the manifesto of loving God and loving people. That I want to partner with this effort to reach my community. Not mine as in Justin Myers. But your community. Okay? Your sphere. That I want to, I want to partner with these folks around me to make a difference in this world. In my world and the world around me. If that's what you want to do, when I'm done praying, I want us to stand together. And then we'll worship our way out. Sound like a plan? And also, if you do need prayer, if you need anything whatsoever, here for you. All points, all the time. And if you even want to come up during the time when people are standing singing, that's fine. If you want to talk after, that's fine as well. But we want to pray with you. We want to partner with you and journey with you through this so that you can make it. All right? Does that sound like a plan? So we're going to and we're gonna make our We're going to stand, and then we're going to worship, and we're going to make our way out and be the church. And carry this in our hearts. All right? So just close your eyes. And just survey life and see if there is things that could hold you back from really going all in in this type of relationship. There's things that are holding you back from completely partnering. Maybe it's fear, which is is rampant in, in our lives. Insecurity. Jealousy? I don't know. Hurt? Pain? Universal? Trust? You know, because I I don't know what your life completely holds. I I don't know what you've been through. But I know that very thing that you struggle with in taking this relationship full circle with with Him with this, this body of believers that's around you is, is that thing that just is so bright right now in your mind. And I just want to challenge you to take that thing and, and almost like place it on your lap and, and, and kind of just look at it and understand that when you stand, that thing just falls right off this visual of, of whatever it was, you see it and, and you used to kind of almost like cuddle it and, 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 and rock it back and forth because this is the thing that you loved more than this type of relationship with God and his people. Just, just place it on your lap and, and then just push it to the end of your knees and say, God, I'm choosing to separate myself from whatever it is that holds me back from truly walking with other people in this faith. Whatever holds me back from truly embodying what it means to be a believer, a Christ follower, and one who, as as a messenger, one who, who builds disciples around me. So God, we take that thing and we slide it to the end of our knees. God, as an act of of being in this thing together. And Lord, right now, 
we stand. We stand in this place, God. We stand as an act of understanding that we are whole. So God, as I say that the closing word, amen, that is a conclusion to a prayer and an agreement together, we'll stand in unity as a people that are bound to you and bound to one another as your church. And we will sing with victory. And we say this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank him for what he's done.